Oh, how beautiful is that? Thank you. Oh, how we had to wait. We had to wait, wait, wait for these for Linda to come because she's in ministerial school. And uh, so we had to wait for her summer break. So we, we hope you'll come back again. Lovely, Jennifer, beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much. Well, once again, welcome. I'm Reverend Debbie McDonald. It's my joy to welcome you here this morning. Uh, I see a few new faces here. If you are visiting us for the first time, please know that you are especially welcome. We honor all paths to God. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are welcome here. We're grateful you're here. We do have some um, welcome packages, some visitor packages, and the glass doors as you come through into the uh, social area. So pick one up, take it home with you, read it, check it out. There's a CD in there, Science of Mind magazine, a few other things. We're grateful you're here. We're glad that you're here. Welcome. Welcome. So we are moving right along with the, uh, the theme from home office this year of the sharing with about 200 of our centers are doing it, and it is 100 years of science of mind. It's 100 years since Ernest Holm wrote his first book and started speaking out in the world. That was in 1917, so here we are in 2018. So uh, it's been about 100 years that we've been out there. Now that doesn't mean that's when new thought started, because we know it started a lot be way before that. Those of you in Roots class know that. We've been studying it, where we started, where it came from, and we're having fun with with that. Um, this, this month's theme is spiritual mind treatment, the form. And so we're going to continue along with talking about spiritual mind treatment. And uh, last week, for those of you that were here, we dove in and we started on section three of the Science of Mind textbook. And that section is spiritual mind healing ideation a recognition of the power and the thought and purpose back of mind healing. So we explored that last week, and sort of the basic thing that we covered, for those of you that weren't here, we'll catch you up, is that we're surrounded by an infinite intelligence which reacts to our thoughts. Okay, so it's really important to know that if we're going to do effective treatment, that we are surrounded by an infinite intelligence which reacts to our thoughts, and that thoughts are things, right? Choose, choose the good ones. Thoughts are things. And uh, we are always creating, either by design or default. There's never a time when we're not creating. Every thought that we think is a creative thought. It's going into that infinite intelligence. And uh, we become what we think. We become what we think. We become what we think about, you know, and look around and we'll look at people in your lives and you can see those people that have become what it is that they constantly think about. Right? Those people that think about joy and happiness, they're happy, joyful people. The people that think about, oh, how hard life is, they're going through life like with a big weight on their shoulders, aren't they? When you see them out in the world. So we become what we think about. We create our world through our thoughts. So this week we're going to move on to the next section, section three of the book. And it's uh, Spiritual Mind Healing the Practice. So we're going to talk about the practice of doing spiritual mind treatment this week. The technique by which we lay hold of mind power and prove its practicality. That's section three in the book, and it's quite a big part of our book. It's six chapters in our Science of Mind textbook. It's about 150 pages. So I'm not going to be able to cover all of it, but we're going to cover in general what it is, what spiritual mind treatment is, what spiritual mind healing is, which Ernest calls it in the book. And... Uh, 
it was the thrust and has been the thrust of our movement. It's what sort of makes us a little bit different is we do a thing that is called affirmative prayer, and we'll get into that. It's a little different than prayers that many other um, organizations do where they do a, what it was called more of a beseeching prayer where they're praying to a God outside of themselves to give them something, to do something for them, where we do it a little bit different. We do affirmative prayer, and we'll get into that. Uh, Ernest says this about it in the page that we're looking at today. We're using the Living the Science of Mind book all year long. And those of you that are reading along know that we're getting towards the end of the book. We're about three quarters of the way through. And of course, we haven't done every essay in there, but there's some really good stuff in there. So I encourage you to read it. And in today's reading, Ernest writes, Unless there was a definite method of procedure in spiritual mind healing, it could not be considered scientific. Unless a definite technique could be delivered, there would be no intelligent approach to the subject. Unless one could learn this technique and consciously apply it, it would not be universally applicable. But the science of mind is just as definite scientific and just as positively based on an actual principle as any other science. You know, therefore, we have the science of mind. It's provable. It's repeatable. It's demonstrable like other sciences. And that, again, is what sets us apart from some of the other religions. I don't know if we really call ourselves a religion, but philosophies in the world. So today we're going to explore the method we teach. Today we're going to explore the method of spiritual mind treatment that we teach in our classes. Right? And it's one of my favorite things to talk about, so I'm excited to talk about it today. I love teaching spiritual mind treatment because it is the thrust of the healing. It's what we do to manifest the life that we want to manifest, right? We, we do this five-step prayer that we're going to talk about. And uh, we start learning it in foundations class. And we go all the way through our training, all the way through ministerial school. We're still learning it, right? We're still learning it, you know. It takes about four years for someone to become a practitioner, three and a half to four years. We have six prerequisite courses and then two years of practitioner training. So by the time our practitioners are licensed, they are well-versed in spiritual mind treatment. So I encourage you to use them. I encourage you to use them for prayer. But foundations class is starting in a few weeks. If you want to review, once again, Jump in, sign up. If you've never taken it, it is the very basic class. It's our foundations class. It's the prerequisite for all our other classes, and you'll start to learn. You'll start to learn it in a deeper way. And during the course of foundations, we have one whole afternoon that's dedicated to a spiritual mind treatment workshop. Reverend Megan will be teaching it in October, and it's open to everybody, whether you take foundations or not. So I encourage you to, to play a little bit more and go a little deeper with some of these principles that we teach. So as I said, there's five steps. There's five steps to, uh, to the prayer. And uh, Ernest uh, says, uh, the purpose of treatment is for uncovering and neutralizing the wrong states of thought. Uncovering and neutralizing. Like, how do we do that? How do we uncover and neutralize, right? Thought, which is built upon a realization of the divine presence, has the power to neutralize negative thought, to erase it, just as light has the power to overcome darkness. See, the light doesn't have to do anything. It overcomes darkness just by being the light, right? Which is the same as our prayer, which is the same as our prayer. 
So the first step of spiritual mind treatment is recognition. Most of you know that. Many of you have been in classes. Most of you have taken foundations that I see out there and many other classes. But recognition is the first step of spiritual mind treatment. And again, it's recognizing what we talked about last week, that we live in this universal intelligence. We live and breathe and have our very being in this sea of universal intelligence, of a creative energy, that we are immersed in it and that our thought is creative. So we recognize in our first step, we say things like, I know that God is all that there is. We're recognizing that we have that knowledge, that we know that there is only the one, in, through, and as all things. Rumi says, um, you are not one but a thousand. You are not one but a thousand. I grew up in an organized religion, and we were taught that everyone was our brother and our sister. And I used to think that was weird. Like, how can everyone be my brother and my sister? Like, I'm not related to everybody. But today I understand it in a totally different way. That we are all individual expressions of the one. That we are all connected. That your mind is my mind. That we're all connected to that universal mind. There is no difference. We're individualized, yes, but we're one but we're one. So that's what we're recognizing in the first step, that there is only one. One power and one presence, and it is God and it is good. I love that. I love that about our teaching, that God is good, and that those two words are synonymous, right? God, good, love. Those are my three favorite. Those are my three favorite for spirit, for source, for whatever we want to call it, and to recognize that there is only good happening in my life, right? And then the second step is unification, and that's when we acknowledge that we are one with. We are one with all that is. Now the truth is, is that we're never separate from. So we really, why do we need to unify? Because we're never separate from. It's more about speaking the unification. It's more about recognizing again, acknowledging that I am one. I like to think of myself as being submerged absolutely in the sea of the divine intelligence. When I do my unification thing, I am just seeing myself just merging with all that is. And that I'm one with everything. Right? I'm unified with the divine. So I recognize that God is all there is, and then I know that I am one with it. Right? And then we get to the third step, which we call our realization step. It's where we speak our word. Where we speak our word. Where we claim what it is that we're wanting to manifest. Where we claim what it is that we're knowing. Right? So we speak our word in the best way that we can, in the boldest way that we can, in the most uh, definite way that we can. You know, we get to say it, we get to claim it. And sometimes we may have a, a doubt that pops up. As I say, I know that I live in an abundant universe. There's another part of me that says, oh, yeah, really, your bank account is empty. Right? So what do we do in that time? What do we do when what we are saying is not matching up with what we're seeing out picturing in the world? You know, we talked about this a little bit with Emma the other night. We talked about denials and affirmations. And there's two types of mind treatments that we teach, and mostly we teach the affirmative. Mostly we teach the, uh, the realization. But sometimes we can do the argumentative which is where we say the denials, where we bring up the denials. And Ernest has a really good example, and this is why I'm bringing it up. I want, you to hear, I want you to hear this. So if we have a doubt, we can address that thought through what we call denial. Example, this is Ernest. A person suddenly finds himself feeling greatly discouraged and mentally depressed. He knows that God is neither discouraged or depressed. He knows that nothing has happened to the divine reality. 
He may, by sitting in quiet contemplation for a few moments, so fill himself with this spirit of reality that his negation would disappear as the mist before the sun. This, of course, would be the ideal way. But suppose in contemplating this, he fails. His next step is to resort to this mental technique, this mental technique that we're talking about. He begins to make a definite statement similar to the following. God is neither sad nor depressed. There is no life apart from God, therefore my life is God. Consequently, I am neither sad or depressed. God is not afraid of anything. My mind and the mind of God are one mind, therefore my mind cannot entertain fear. Speak your word. Speak your word boldly. We're arguing in our own mind until we get to that place that we no longer disbelieve. Right? And all the work that we do as a practitioner, and all of you are practitioners, all of you are practitioners, all of you can do this. There needs to be no special sign to be able to do it. So we are arguing in our own mind until we are clear, until that doubt has dissipated. Right? And all the work that you're doing is doing in your, your mind, your mind. When I pray for you, I'm not getting into your mind and trying to do anything. I'm praying in the one mind, which is my individualist mind. The practitioner always does the prayer within their own mind. So we're stating and we're stating until we come clear on what it is that we're wanting to say. And then our fourth step is thanksgiving, giving gratitude being grateful. We know it's been said, and I'm sure many of you have heard it, if the only prayer you ever say is thank you, that's a complete prayer, right? We just do the gratitude. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all that I have, all that I've been given, right? Dr. Christian always says we're not saying thank you to something outside of ourselves, but we're giving gratitude for what is. We're giving gratitude for what is. And then the fifth step is we release it. We release it into the law. And that's an important step because we let go of it. Like the farmer who's planted the seed, we leave it, we walk away, we let it be. We don't go back and dig up the seed and see if it's working. We planted it, we released it, we walk away, it's in the garden, right? If we don't release it, we're thinking about it. We're ruminating, right? If we find ourselves thinking about the problem again, then it's important that we do another treatment. But we let it go. We release it. And that's the fifth step of, prayer, of, of our treatment, right? And the form is just an outline. The form is a template. You know, many of us, as we go through training, as we go through licensing, we're really particular because we stick to the form because we want to pass our panels, right? We want to pass our tests, right? But then once we get on, we maybe like add a little color, add a little flavor, add a little personality to the way that we do it. But it's the five steps. It's the five steps, and that is the scientific part of it. That is the scientific part of it. It's following that formula. But it is not the power of it. The power is in your word. The power is really in your belief. Ernest says, it is not the form of the treatment which you give or the prayer which you make that gives it power. Rather, it is your faith. Right? So God, I believe, help my unbelief. Spirit, I believe, help my unbelief. Help me look at any place where I'm not believing what it is that I'm saying. Help me uncover that and discard it and get rid of it so I can be in that place of absolute knowing. You know? But what is it that limits our belief? What are those things that get in the way of us absolutely believing? You know, we recognize that back of everything there is God. I think most of us are in agreement with that, that God is all that there is that spirit is. I mean, if you've here and you've been around a religious science church for a while, I'm thinking you're probably in agreement with that, that God is all that there is. But what is it in our human experience that sometimes doesn't feel like that? 
that doesn't feel like the perfection that we know God is. Why does that show up for us sometimes? You know, in those times, it's helpful to believe, to step into that place of what you can believe, what you can believe. For instance, if I'm affirming that I have, a, I'm going to receive $50,000, you know, that may be a bit of a stretch. Maybe I want to affirm that I'm going to receive $5,000, right? What can you believe? Don't go so far out that you can't even fathom it. Take those baby steps. Take those baby steps. That doesn't mean that it's any different for spirit to create 5,000 than it is for spirit to create 50,000, but you want to be in alignment with what it is that you believe. You want to be able to believe what the words it is that you're speaking. What if it were possible? I like to ask that question. What if it were possible? What would it look like? What would it look like if it were possible? This is a Reverend Tara Still from uh, Santa Rosa did today's outline, and uh, these are some words of wisdom from her. She says, at first it may be necessary to deny just a small part of our human experience. At first it may be necessary to deny just a small part of our human experience. For example, you could do something like this. Although in this moment it seems that I am less healthy than I would like to be, I know that more vitality is on its way now. See, you could believe that. If you can't believe you'll be completely healed, you could step into it. You could get closer to it by saying, I know more vitality is on its way now. As faith and trust that greater health is coming is affirmed and expected, the chink in the armor of disbelief opens and space for spirit to come in is made. Right? To take a step towards our good, and the good comes to us. We take a step towards it. What can I believe? What can I believe? What can I believe? What can I say? You know, one of the things when I was trained that we were taught, and I love this, is when you speak your word in that third step or through your entire treatment, really, is we're speaking as God. We're speaking as God. That is definitely as we are saying it, knowing that it absolutely is true, the word that I'm saying, the word that I'm speaking will be made manifest. Emma says this. I like it. We're all at Emma. We're into Emma these last couple of weeks in Roots. So she says, between you and your good, which belongs to you, and which you ought to have, is your idea of the absence of good. Yeah? Yeah. If we know there's no absence of good, if good is all there is, how different would our perspective be? Reverend Tara says the most limiting beliefs are those which lie in our subconscious. And those are, because we don't always see what's in our subconscious. We can't always know what's in our subconscious. As they come to light and are dressed with denials of their reality and the affirmations of the truth, the limiting power of these false beliefs subside. You know, and again, I know I talk about practitioners a lot, but I can't emphasize what a valuable tool they are. Our practitioners are our ministers. They are here to serve you. They have trained for a period of time to help you uncover those limiting beliefs that are keeping you from your good, that are the roadblock in your life. Do you want them removed? See a practitioner. See him for prayer after service on Sunday, on Wednesday, or make a private session with them. Take classes. Learn these tools so you can create the life of your dreams. There's an acronym that we use that I like. 
are you ready to receive? Recognition, unification, realization, thanksgiving, and release. Are you ready to receive? Are you ready to receive? Are you? Are you ready to step into that all-powerful, intelligent universe that we live in and know that every thought that you're thinking is creating your tomorrow? So this week, I encourage you to believe it, to know it, to claim it, to see it. And so it is. God bless you. So glad that you're here today. So glad that you're here. Beautiful.